This is Inner Healing Paths podcast. Here we discuss the healing of the mind, body, soul, and spirit through a variety of different paths. We have emotional and spiritually minded conversations centering on ancestral healing, psychology, astrology, yoga, meditation, magic, and indigenous spiritual practices of the world. I am your host, Rosa Shetty, and I am so happy you are here. Welcome. Welcome to this episode of Inner Healing Paths Podcast. Before we go into the actual episode, just want to give a few announcements. Some of you have done the 21 Day Challenge to connect with your inner child through the guided meditations that, I, that I've been providing through Instagram Live. But if you have not, I put together a 21 Day Journal. It's a downloadable copy, an e-book that you can download and use to guide your 21 day journey, something that you can do on your own. I've included uh, specific prompts for each day and I have a a place for you to write your notes and write whatever insights came through for each meditation. So it's just a a wonderful tool that you can have. It's accessible. It's easy enough to follow. If you're interested in this, uh, head over to my Instagram account at inner healing underscore paths or inner healing paths podcast just one word i'll also include this in the show notes so you can just click on the links i also want to let you all know that i'm actually doing a raffle and the raffle is to celebrate the beginning of this podcast and to say thank you to those of you that have subscribed already The specific instructions to enter the raffle are in my Instagram account. So again, go to the link in bio and you will see the instructions for the raffle. And it will be running from Tuesday, October 4th through Friday, October 8th. And that Friday night, I'm going to go live to announce the three winners. So the raffle includes a book. Uh, titled Reconciliation, Healing the Inner Child, and it's, it is written by my favorite, favorite author, Thich Nhat Hanh. He is a Buddhist philosopher and master, and it will also have a healing meditation box that will include Palo Santo, sage, and lavender. It would have um, a couple of healing crystals and uh, smudging spray and again these are all tools that can help you enhance your meditation practice so if this sounds like it's something you would be interested in again check out my instagram and sign up so with that covered we are ready to dive into today's episode and i am so excited to have you listen to the conversation that i had with the wonderful dr alejandra cuña phd and lcsw We had such a juicy conversation about the importance of connecting with our ancestral roots as an integral part of our healing. We talked about the intentional connection with our ancestors and bringing them forth in our day-to-day as a source of personal empowerment. She so candidly shared her story of healing and her, her specifically her journey of remembrance and reconnection with her spiritual gifts um, that have been passed down to her from her previous generations from her abuelitas i know that you will love this episode as much as i did i do want to give a brief disclaimer that this episode does not treat or diagnose any disease ailment or any mental health condition the information that is shared here does not substitute for healthcare or mental health services of any kind. Guests have a right to express their views, and this also does not imply an endorsement of any entity they represent. So, without further ado, here's our episode with Dr. Alejandra Acuna, 
take a listen. Hi, Alejandra. I'm, Hi, Rosa. I'm so glad that we're able to connect here and that you can join our podcast here. Me too. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, of course. And, you know, to get started, um, are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay let's, let's go for it. Okay, so Alejandra, for our listeners that are not familiar with, with your work, can you tell us a little bit more about you and just, you know, where you're from and what kind of work you do? Wow, that is such a big question. Okay, I wish I would have um, <laughs> written my thoughts. So let me see. Let me start by saying, because um, it's so important to me. Let me start by saying I'm 53. Okay. Um, I just turned 53, September 16th, um, which is a big day uh, for Mexicans. Um, Happy birthday. And, Happy belated yeah. birthday, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm Titana, so it's a big day for me too. And I was born in 1968, which was the year that the Olympics were in Mexico as well. So I was conceived during all of that. Um, let's see, so I am um, a social worker, a mom. I say that because I feel like um, I, I got my LCSW to be a mom. It's taught me so much about parenting and raising my daughter, but also my daughter has taught me so much about relationships and love and healing and, um, and the work, I think it's, it made me a better human being, being a mom, but it also, it made me a better social worker, a hundred percent. So yeah, that's my street cred. Uh, when I was um, younger and didn't have a daughter, uh, clients would ask me, do you have kids? And I didn't understand the question. I'd be like, um, I have nieces and nephews and I study child development, but that wasn't what they were asking. Like they were asking, do you get it? Right. You judge me. Do you know how hard it is? Do you know how close you can get to throwing your baby out the window? Cause you're so tired and you've tried everything. And it's like, now I can confidently answer. Yes. Yes, I do. I get it. I understand. You get it. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so that's my biggest street cred is that I'm a mom. And that we both survived that. She's 20 and she's a junior at NYU. Um, let's see, I'm an associate professor at Cal State Northridge, which is also a big deal for me because that's been recent. Um, I got, I was granted tenure. And so there are not a lot of Latinas with the PhD. There are not a lot of Latinas um, in academia. And I think it's less than 3% um, Latinas who are tenured. So it's a pretty big deal. And so I, I want to represent that. And I want to say if there Absolutely. are any people of color out there who want that path, you've got an ally because I know it's not easy. And I did not get here alone. I got here through the love and support of many, 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 many people, friends, family, students, mentors, um, peers, colleagues. And so um, my ancestors. Um, so, so anyway, I wanted to put that out there. Um, what else? I do a lot of consulting work. Um, and so I love doing research, program evaluation, clinical supervision. Um, and what else? And still to this day, I love doing family therapy. It's one of my favorite things. I love families come together. Whenever everybody shows up, like mom, dad, and the kids, and whoever's in the home, whenever they show up, I get really excited because it tells me like, we're gonna, we're gonna make something happen here. Because I tell them, even though this is the last place you wanna be, the fact that you're all here, it tells me that, like bump that, bump the stigma, bump el que dirán. Like we love each other and we want to make it work. We want to figure this out. And it's that love for each other that gets me excited because I know, oh, we're going to, we're going to do some good stuff here. So I've done a lot of things. I continue to do a lot of things. There's so much more I want to do. Um, but that's a little snapshot of who I am professionally speaking and, and my identity as a mom. Uh, I think I mentioned I'm Chicana, Mexicana. I was born in Los Angeles and both my parents are from Northern Mexico. And I love saying that my mom's, my mom was from Chihuahua. Um, and most people from Chihuahua tienen la fama 
are like they're very well known for no tengo pelos en la lengua. Like I'm very direct, straightforward. Um, and some people think like, oh, that's the Americanized me, or that's like the blunt uh, me. But no, that that was all 100% Irene. That was my mom. And so I was actually the shy kind of nerdy kid. And if it wasn't for my mom, who was like the life of the party and freaking cool, I think like I would just be a dork in the corner still. I mean, I'm still a dork, but I, at least I know how to talk to people now. <laughs> Absolutely. So anyway, that's a little bit about me. I don't know if that was too much. Or, but... No, it's perfect. And and there's so many things that you shared just in that little introduction that I want to hopefully follow up on. But just want to say thank you for, you know, for representing because representation matters, you know, especially in academia. And I don't think, you know, I went to college, I don't know, in 2000, I graduated high school 2000. To, I don't think I remember. I, I had a a Latinx or Chicana, and I did not have a a, a a professor that was a person of color, you know. And wow. um, so, and I mean, I, of course, I went to a very small school, and it, it was a very specific demographic. But I didn't have that, you know. So growing, so so just hearing you say that, and hearing that statistic of only three percent, it's just so. I don't know. It just gives me that that, um, and then hopefully our listeners too, the motivation to keep going in whatever path professionally or otherwise you're pursuing. Because if you're here in in the states and you're and you're listening, to this most likely than not, we are still not, you know, representative of the demographics or the population that we serve. Whether that's in in schools and academia and you know, the social work practice, you know, I, we're still uh, underrepresented, right, in that, in those professional roles, so thank you so much for, for acknowledging that, yeah, and in a way, paving the way, right, for others. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely, I, I mean, it's been challenging, um, uh, there was a, a, a woman, I, I'm going to name her Sara, she uh, recently passed away, from cancer and uh, she was a Santera and I met her almost 10 years ago. And I loved her because I think people don't understand the role of like Santeras or readers in, in our culture. It's not so much that it's like magical realism or um, shortcuts. It's like, whenever I would have a conversation with her, I felt like she, I'm gonna cry. I felt like she understood me. You know, like she saw me, she got me. And I was thinking like, man, no wonder, no wonder Santeras and readers are so important in our community because that's what therapy should be. Like when you feel got, when you feel seen, when you feel understood. And I felt like she read my mind in a good way. You know what I mean? And so I remember her saying to me, um, cause she was bilingual, but um, because I spoke Spanish, she would, she would always do her readings in Spanish. She said to me, um, you know, it's, it's been a, a difficult road for you. Like you've really had to struggle. Um, pero ha sido como una limpieza espiritual. And it's been like a spiritual uh, clearing. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh my God. That, that resonates with me as well. So deeply. Yeah. 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 And so I feel like uh, uh, I embraced the struggle. I had faith in the struggle. Um, I had support in the struggle and, uh, and it's all good because I feel like it got me here and I feel like I'm stronger, I'm cleaner, I'm more whole, integrated, which is the point of therapy. I think it's the point of any healing, which goes back to your first question. What is the point of healing? I don't care what modality, I don't care if it was like our ancestors 50,000 years ago. It's always been about integration, wholeness, uh, being all put together, coming back to ourselves and, and to our whole selves, mind, body, spirit, heart, and soul. And so anyway, what was the question? <laughs> no, that was perfect. And I, I yeah, no, the, the integration of, of the mind, soul, spirit, heart, body, everything, right? I, I am right there with you on that belief that it, it does take the 
workings of everything together and and I think we, we before going into that we were just talking about how this this lady this uh, Sarah uh, how you just felt so seen and validated just through her connection with you and her presence with you in that moment and and I and I feel like it was that like you know being feeling deeply understood Right, which is oh quite God. a representation. One hundred percent. Yeah, so, it's so funny because she's an older woman. She looked amazing. She was in her seventies, but she looked amazing. And I would tell her because I never met my grandmother. I'm going to talk about my mater maternal grandmothers in a bit. Yes, but please. I, ne yeah. I never met them or really knew them. And so she was like, and my mom died when I was 35. And so I always felt like, um, and I'm going to go in and out of tearfulness, and, and I'm just going to oh, embrace it. Yes, please embrace it. Absolutely. Um, Thank you. And so I felt like I've, you know, it's so important to have elders in our lives, either present and living or their stories. And so anyway, so when I met her, even though it was not anything I'd ever done before, like I'd never been to readers before, it was very unusual for me to consult her, but a good friend of mine referred me to her. And I was going through a lot in my life. I needed some um, guidance or just some support. And so it was just beautiful. So anyway, I, I feel like you're like my grandmother. She's like, abuela, abuela, por qué? Like, why a grandmother? I'm not that old. You know, I'm not that much older than you. Like, no, 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 I don't mean to. It's, yeah. so it's just, it was, she was so wise. And she was at that age I, you know some people don't get at that age um you know any at any point in their lives or and some people earlier than later but she just was like she gave it to me straight she just told it like it is you know and and she was from Veracruz and she's the one who said oh like oh where your where's your family from and I said oh you know my parents are from Chihuahua and she said oh la gente de Chihuahua es, es uh, conocida por ser muy franca I'm like, yeah, that's she right. Knew. <laughs> she knew. <laughs> and so she would just give it to me straight. And she was like, a ti no te gusta la hipocresía. You don't like hypocrisy. And y a ti no te, te importa los chismes. And like, you don't care about gossip and people talking badly. And I'm like, you're right. I don't, I don't. And, and I just feel like she got me. She just understood me in, oh my gosh. Just like my mom did, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, sometimes when you're an outlier or when, you, when you're a vanguard or when you do things that is out of the norm or you step out of your gender role stereotypes, um, you're kind of like a freak of nature. You kind of don't mm -hmm. fit in, in in a community where it's so important to belong and fit in. And so I felt like with my mom, even though I was like nerdy and shy and and she's so different. She like got me. And uh, she used to say to me when I was little, um, Ay, Alejandra. I mean, I was like four or five. Like, that's how little she'd be like, Ay, Alejandra, tú eres mi antena. Estás en todo. Like, you're in yeah. everything. You're always like listening yeah. and aware of everything. And what's funny is when my own daughter was born, Paulina, um, I tell her, man, if I was an antenna, you're a satellite. Like, you're a satellite. Like, she channels so many levels of wow. wisdom. She's amazing. But anyway, um, so, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. so yes, I felt seen and understood. And, and people always said, oh, you know, you just wanted shortcuts. You wanted her to tell you the future. And it wasn't like that. It was like, you know what, Sara? I leave here feeling like you get me, you see me, you read my mind. Like I feel really seen, understood. And, and that, that feeling alone is freaking amazing. And she wasn't a trained therapist, but she did it. And, and that, that inspired me to like, oh, when I'm with people, like, that's what I want to do. Like, I, I necessarily read their minds, but I, I want them to feel like I get it. I understand them. I see them. Like, I want them to feel understood because I think that makes us feel like we say validated, but I think that makes us feel like safe and whole and home and like not crazy. Like, no, this is, of course, this is part of the range of human emotions and human behavior. Like, like you're in the circle, like you're, you're not out of the circle because you feel that way. We're, we're all in the circle. It's just the circle is that big and, and has that range of diversity. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I don't 
I don't feel that everyone has a capacity to offer this to others, you know, to, to be, to really witness someone else in their, and to deeply understand. I think we can train in it, but there's some folks that are just born with this gift. And whenever you're around them, you just feel completely just, you know, completely taken care of almost like this, like uh, abuelita energy to them. Right. And, and, and that's something that uh, I know that it's just, you can't really train for that. You know, you can't, you can't really go to school for that. It's just, some people just have that energy to them. And it sounds like um, your friend, um, she was, she was very much in the embodiment of that energy, right? That abuelita, even though you said, you know, she probably would not like me calling I her that. Sara, you're my Sara, you're not my <laughs> But, you know, she, it sounds like she just embodied that warmth and, and wow. you just felt it when you were with her. Yeah. 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 And she would just say it like she would say, Tienes buena energía siempre. Like you have good energy always. Or she's bien dulce. Like they, they would just, like she'd be doing her job and these things would just come out. And that was the other thing. It's like, again, she did so much that I feel therapists we need to do in that. Like never leave a compliment on your tongue. Like if you see it, then say it. You know what I mean? Um, and the beauty is that it's not like to like um, flatter people, but it's, it's, when when we see things genuinely in another person and we say it instead of like keeping it to ourselves if it's genuine and real it'll resonate and it's almost like just holding up a mirror it's like I'm not doing anything I'm just literally holding up my ear and and showing you what I see and when it when it feels like yes you see me yes it when it resonates it just it's beautiful because it's not like flattery it's just it's just the truth. It's just, right. I'm seeing you accurately and you feel seen accurately. And, and the, the thing with, with your word is that it's so powerful, right? So when you speak onto someone, that type of genuine um, feedback, you know, just, just telling them, wow, you, this is great, whatever it may be. It really, the vibration of that, I believe it is what our, we receive you know I, I knew someone um or I know someone that was a teen mom and she said now she's in her 30s but she remembers that she was 18 I, I think when she you know she found out that she was pregnant and she said I will never forget everybody around me was just like whispering about me talking about me and this one lady from church just went up to me and grabbed me by the shoulders she didn't really have a relationship with this lady she just the lady just went up to her grabbed her shoulder and said said you're going to be an amazing mom I can see it you are wonderful you're amazing you're going to be amazing and she said to this day she said those words stayed with her and to this and and have and just shifted and she is I mean she's been I've known her since then and she's been an amazing mom everybody says I don't know how she did it but I mean that's how powerful words like what you just said just saying something encouraging if it comes from the heart it's going to resonate deeply with the person the other person amen yeah I want to pause and just invite our ancestors into the room. Thank you. Yes. Thank as, you. As alone as we feel sometimes, and especially during the social distancing and, and downright social isolation, I feel like it's easy to feel alone, but we don't walk alone. And I want us to just imagine, like, I know you, you see behind me, like my office and my you know, paintings yes, or pictures. I love it. Yes. Thank you. But, but I want you also, I'm going to imagine and invite you to imagine like 50,000 years of my ancestors standing behind me. Oh, beautiful. So even though my parents have passed and even though Sara has passed, like elders that I really relied on for their wisdom, I know that they're here. And that's why I'm not afraid of the other side because I know that they're there. And uh, I know that, that they're here. And I know. I know them, especially my mom. I know that she freaking loves the fact that I'm naming her. Like she's like, hey, like make sure you give me credit. I'm like, yes, mom, you have all the credit. So I want to invite my 50,000 years of ancestors because I did not get here alone. 
they all struggled um, and uh, it was a spiritual cleansing for them to, to get me here. And then you, Rosa, where are you from? Where are your ancestors from? Oh, thank you. Uh, my ancestors are, I mean, I, my family's from Mexico. I, I consider myself um, Chicana, Mexican, American. You know, I was born here in California, but, you know, my heritage is from Mexico and, you know, I'm first generation. So I'm very, I'm still very connected to my, you know, to, to my heritage my with my you know my parents are are still around so you know that's still part of my of my everyday <laughs> absolutely um, what, what yeah. part of Mexico yeah the, my family's from central Mexico so my my dad is from a town near Mexico City about 30 minutes um, Toluca that's the name of the city and then my mom is from Guerrero so she's from a town near people most people know Acapulco, so you know, just for a point of reference. So she's from a town near um, about a couple hours from Acapulco. So they're from central, central Mexico. And okay, yeah. Rosa, I know you came to my house. I wish I had known that your mom was from Guerrero because so I have a mask from Guerrero that I want to give to you. Oh, the next time you. Oh, it, I remember it was my second year internship in Marin mm-hmm. County. I was at Villa Vista Elementary and we had like um like a white elephant gift exchange and one of the teachers had been to Mexico and she had brought this um mask I think it was like a wedding mask from Guerrero and I fell in love with it and I just had to have it and like it, it got stolen from me and whatever and so I ended up paying another teacher like I'll give you money for it like I want it so I've had it all these years um but I think it's it's put away now and now that I know that you're you're from Guerrero I want you to have it so the next time I see you Remind oh, thank you. That would mean that would mean a lot. Is it like a what does it look like? Like a tiger? Or? It, it, it's it actually looks like a man. It's it's it looks like it's made out of wood, like mm-hmm. a porous wood, and it's um uh rounded. So or it's like half rounded, uh, and then it's painted yellow. And the reason I think it's a man is because it's it's got like a mustache, and oh. then it's got like um some string in the back so if you could put it on and you know would hold on oh and you said it's yellow yeah it's painted yellow the wood is painted yellow in the let, let me let me grab something real quick that i have right here hold on I don't think it's that, but this is like a small thing, but this is from Guerrero. This is very, um, these are earrings, by the way. But so when you started describing it, I thought that's what you were describing. Yes, I, got the, the, I got these in, in there in, in Guerrero when I went. Yes, so these, it looks very similar to that. Very similar. I mean, it doesn't have the the ears, uh-huh. the teeth, but but it does have teeth actually. And these are masks. Yeah, these are act- uh-huh. these are masks traditionally, and people wear them for special occasions and more like traditional occasions. Uh, but anyways, I thought you were referring to something like this, but it oh looks, my god, that it looks, it looks very similar to that. Yes, that makes uh-huh. sense because all this time, the only thing I knew about the mask was I. The teacher said she thinks it was from Guerrero, and but I. That was all I had. And so that's confirmation that it definitely was. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. It's very, very sweet of you. And of course, I hope to to go to your house again for one of the, I mean, we had a wonderful night that that time that I went and I looking forward to to more of those gatherings and, you know, just reconnecting with other ladies I, that, that particular night, we, you know, it was a lot of other, uh, a lot of, well, actually therapists, right? And social workers. <laughs> I think most of us. I think we gravitate to each other. Yeah, and just it was, yeah, it was a very, it was a very juicy night. I loved it, but uh, me too. Yeah, well, you know, I want to go back to so you know, thank you for calling in our ancestors. Thank you for for opening that up, and I know that a lot of your work. Um, I think the way I came across your your work was through a, I believe it was like a workshop that you did on. Um, just kind of the integration of traditional indigenous healing practices with our modern day mental health systems. And, you know, can you speak a little bit more on that and, and just kind of how, how you came across this, this path and, and the, how, you, how you're merging these two? 
Right, thank you. That's a good question because it's definitely, um, I'm moving into semi-retirement and I just want to do that full time. Like that's all I want to do now. Um, and I love that um, my pensions will allow me <laughs> to do that soon. Um, so I, when I was in the PhD program at UCLA, I think it was 2010, 2011, something like that. I took a class and it was a graduate course in community health sciences. It wasn't in social welfare, um, but it was called Latin American medicine, shamanism and folk illness. And I remember it was in the spring and I was like eating up all the reading, the lectures, the field trips, the videos, and I just could not get enough of it. It made so much sense to me. And I was so excited about learning about it. And there was a point where I was really sad that I hadn't been raised with this knowledge. Um, and then I just accepted like, well, that was a missed opportunity, but I'm learning it now. And so, and nothing can stop me now from digging deeper. Um, and so that takes me back to my own mom. Um, Irene, she's like, I love all the times that you're saying my name. She loved her name. So I'm going to go back a little bit because if you, if you want to know where this comes from, it comes from my ancestors. Yes, please. So, yeah, absolutely. So, so being Chicana, Mexicana, both my ancestry DNA and the history books confirms that as Mexicanas or Me Mexicans, we are indigenous Mexican European and African, like those are the three major um, uh, roots of our DNA and our culture and our, and our, even today. So here's my story. My story, I have to go back two generations. So talk about ancestors. So I have to go back to my maternal grandmothers, Irene Sr. and Teresa. So Irene Sr. and Teresa were sisters and they were teachers. And, um, okay, so Irene Sr. was married and had children, including my mother, Irene Jr. And then her sister, Teresa, was married and had children. And so she, Teresa was pregnant and um, she had a baby in November, Rosa Maria, my birth mother, and her husband died. Teresa's husband died. So she had to um, go to the Cerros where it was very cold because it was winter um, and work as a teacher. So Teresa asked her sister, Irene Sr., will you take care of my baby while I teach, while I go work? And so my, mom, uh, my grandmother said, yes. So knowing my mom, Irene Jr., who was um, older than Rosa Maria, not only did they grow up, even though they were cousins, not only did they grow up together like sisters, but I'm so for sure my mom was like her mother because that's just who my mom was. So they grew up together like sisters. Now cut to you know, 20, 24 years later, my birth mother, Rosa Maria is married and she's in a kind of an abusive relationship. She has a daughter, she has an affair and she gets pregnant. Um, and that's where I come into the story because she has an affair in Mexico, uh, Chihuahua, 1968. Um, and uh, so she was living with um, uh, her tia, but the tia that raised her, Irene Sr. And she was very depressed, not getting prenatal care, that worried Irene Sr. Irene Sr. talked to Irene Jr. Irene Jr. was worried. And Irene Jr. is in Los Angeles and says, send her to me. I'll take care of her. So Rosa Maria go, comes to LA, my, my mom takes care of her. I'm being born at General Hospital and the doctors tell my mom, I, Irene Jr., somebody's gonna die here. Either mom's gonna die or baby's gonna die. Somebody's gonna die here. And so my mom, <laughs> bien astuta, she decides to fill out the birth, the birth certificate with her name as mom in case you know, her sister died. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so my birth certificate reads, Irene Cunha Cardona, you know, as my mother. And so anyway, uh, we both survived. My birth mother and I both survived and we come home. And again, knowing my own mom, she was probably the one taking care of me and getting super attached to me because that's just who she was as a human being, as a person, never stopped. 
um, always was taking care of babies and, and human beings. So I it was around, I turned nine months old and my, um, I don't know how to turn that off so it doesn't make noise. Let me see options. I'm sorry, because I know you're recording and- Oh, my, no worries. How do I turn it off? I wish I had the quit maybe. Okay, maybe, and then options. Shoot. I don't know how to turn this off. Okay, anyway, maybe you can edit around the pings. I don't know how to stop the pings from my laptop. Um, oh, let, let me just text the person, tell them I'm, I'm doing a podcast not to ping me. Oh, to stop pinging. I mean, stop texting. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. So, um, so anyway, so I'm nine months old. My birth mother decides, you know, she wants to go back to Mexico and she tells my mom, you know, I'm ready to go home. Like, is it okay if I take the baby with me? And my mom was like, the baby's yours. Like, of course. So my birth mother takes me back to Mexico and my mom just falls apart. Um, she goes through a deep depression. She gets hospitalized. And so my birth mother hears about it in Mexico and she calls her and she says, um, Si te doy a niña, like, will you get better? Aww. And my mom's like, yeah. e? like, yes. <laughs> and uh, so my mom goes to Mexico and, and brings me home. And so that's my, that's my story. And the reason why that's, that's so significant is because I really believe that my mom, uh, Irene Jr., it was one of my soulmates. Um, Again, she understood me like no other. I learned so much from her. She never met a stranger. I'm like this shy, nerdy, quiet kid. And she's like the life of the party. And just watching her and being mothered by her, like I just learned so much. And because she was from Chihuahua and super open, like we talked about anything and everything. Like there was nothing taboo that we couldn't talk about. And um, because she was from Chihuahua, you know, like cowboy boots and jeans, like, she was a super strong woman. And so again, people think I got my feminism from the US, but no, like my mom was so outspoken and like we'd be at the store and there'd be a big sign saying like, no exchanges, no refunds. And she'd be like arguing with the cashier and I'd be mortified because I'd be like, mom, can you in English? It says no mm -hmm. exchanges. And like, I just watched her like negotiate her way to a refund and an exchange. Like it was just... She's yeah. just amazing. I learned so much from watching her. Um, but she used to, oh, and I'd always interview her, like ethnographic interviews. And I, I remember asking her about her own childhood. And one of the many stories she told me was that her own paternal grandmother, her father's mother, was indigena, totally indigenous. And she would spend summers with her. And um, I think she learned all kinds of practices from her paternal grandmother. Um, and my older sister, so I have a sister who's six years older, and then I have a sis another sister who's 12 years older. And my oldest sister, Irma, um, she remembers that my mom used to use el huevo for la limpia and how they put the egg under the bed or the crib. And, and I could totally see that because I'm so for sure that my mom learned that from her grandmother. Because my mom, even though she left those particular traditions behind, she's all, I always, I love it because in high school, I would call her bruja. Ay, tú eres bruja. And instead of being offended or mad at me, she's like, see, I am. <laughs> I'm proud of it. Like, you see me, you get it. Yes, yeah, I am. That's and awesome. so, yeah, totally spiritual. Um, but she channeled it um, when I was growing up through our church. Um, we grew up in a Pentecostal Christian church in East LA. And so anyway, all of that to say is it's always been in me. It's been in my mom and my grandmother and... Uh, and, and growing up in a Pentecostal church, um, I, I mean, I went to church four days a week, you know, uh, Tuesdays, Fridays, and twice on Sundays. And that's really where I got connected to my spirituality and my soul. And so I've been to like um, pipe ceremonies, Native American pipe ceremonies. I've been to Native American bear dances and sweats. And I remember being at a, a bear dance in Yosemite, and we were in this roundhouse and um, the Miwok people were singing and chanting in their language. And I remember it didn't feel awkward or different at all. It just was like, I know what this feels like. This is church on a Sunday night. 
the spirit is moving and we're singing and I feel at home. And it's because my spirit knew exactly what was going on. And so, and so all of that to say that, you know, my traditions are this, uh, syncretized, like, um, it's just, it's all spirit. It's all soul. Like my soul tells me what's, what's what, and it's all, and when I took the class, Latin American medicine, shamanism, and folk illness, when I, when I read, I realized like, everybody talks about mal de ojo, you know, evil eye. Well, it's not just Mexicans, like Nigerians know about evil eye, like, um, medieval Europeans, like Italians, like, like, you know, when, exactly. when, yes. so when Italian people talk about people, they're not stealing from us, you know, Mexicans are not the only ones. And I had a student, um, cause I, when I taught at Cal State LA, I had a student from Nigeria and, and, um, we were talking about the cultural concepts of distress in the, um, DSM. And at the time it was the DSM four, and I'm pretty sure Maldejo was still in there. And I remember one student asked me, why are we talking about this? Like, I don't understand. And I said, because there's a lot of people who still really uh, understand this as as having an influence in their lives and on their health. And there was a Nigerian student, an immigrant student in the class. And she sort of spoke up and she said, yeah, no, in, in my country, like we know, like people can get killed. Like it's, it's no joke. It's serious. And so anyway, all of that to say that it makes sense to me that I, I really resonated with the readings on shamanism. And I finally met a shaman myself. Um, and I've done shamanic journeys myself. And uh, when I read about Wichol shaman, um, I read this book in the class called The Peyote Hunt. And the Wichol shaman was like, you people from the city, like you judge us, you think like, oh, those poor Indios. And he's all, but I don't feel poor at all. I feel freaking powerful because mm. I have my yeah. history, my traditions. Um, I see you guys running around stressed out over what? Over cars and things. And I'm not stressed out. I feel at home in my body and on my land. And when I read that, I'm like, I freaking get that because I don't buy into the consumerism and materialism. In fact, the reason I'm able to retire in a couple of years at 55 is because I have very low overhead. You know what I mean? I fucking real. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I realized. No, don't worry. <laughs> I realized that that debt is the the lie of the man. Like the the man wants us to be indebted because then we'll be indentured servants. And I'm like, oh, I see you. I see you, MF. Or like, I want my freedom. I don't want your money or your stuff. I want my freedom. And so, mm, wow. Yes. So, so, so when I read that the Wichol, I'm like, I freaking get him a hundred percent you know? And so anyway, all of that to say is that I find truth wherever it is, you know, whether it's a four-year-old who I'm counseling because her mom just fleed a domestic violence situation. And the four-year-old's telling me, le digo a mi mamá que lo deje, que ya no regrese con él. Like I tell my mother, leave him, don't return to him. Like, I just feel like Mm. truth is everywhere. And if you are, if your mind is open and your heart is open and you're in the Bible, it says, if you have ears to hear, listen, if you have ears to hear, then you had better listen. If you have eyes to see, then you'd better see. And I just feel like the truth is around us. And it's not in any, no institution, no country, no culture owns it. And, and I just feel lucky that I've, I've been um, open and I've, I've learned from so many different sources because the bottom line is the truth is the truth and it resonates. I went to a Christian college in Orange County and I had a professor, I took a class on the Old Testament, on the Old Testament and I had a professor, she was amazing. And she said, you know, the prophets of the Old Testament, they didn't tell you things that, like they didn't predict the future per se. They prophesied things that if they didn't resonate in you, then like, you were like, oh, this is not a good prophet. Like, like you don't just follow prophets blindly. Like it's gotta, it's gotta go deep. And it's like, oh yeah, that's right. I feel it too. Do you know what I mean? Like poets, poets, when you read poetry and you're like, they read my diary, like they were at my last break. I'm like, how do they know? And it's because they're telling the, the, la pura neta, the, the honest to goodness truth. 
And when it's truth that deep, it resonates. And I don't care where it comes from. Like you just know yeah, no, absolutely. And you, what you just, uh, I mean, you, you said so much and everything that you, that you said is so rich and we can go, you know, many different paths with every, with each thing that you mentioned, but I think, you know, the, the path, um, the healing path, like you said, the healing is everywhere and in all paths. And that's one of the reasons why I'm even doing this podcast, to be honest with you, is because I want to um, bring awareness to that, that is not just through traditional psychotherapy process. It's not just through, uh, you know, as faith, a, spe- a specific type of faith or through yoga. You know, a lot of times people, you know, they, they find one, one modality, let's say yoga, and it's like, everything can be resolved with yoga. And it's like, no, there's, we are, you know, we are uh, beings that are multi-dimensional beings, right? And and we need, um, you mentioned debt, you mentioned money. That's another huge source of healing, right? And and that's a whole other path. And and, and I, I feel like we're on the same wavelength because absolutely, I feel like, you know, there is no one truth. And I don't think there's any one culture that holds that can say they hold the, you know, the, the rights to healing. You know, I, I had a teacher uh, once uh, say to me, she, uh, I, there was a period of time where I was, I was studying with uh, a curandera teacher. I didn't finish my studies. It was very brief, but what I did learn from her, um, she said to me, uh, la medicina es para todos, you know, so she would get a lot of heat from people. She would get heat because she would welcome people that were, you know, Mexican, American, uh, white, all walks and people in, would give her a hard time. And it's like, well, why, you know, they're not Mexican. Like, why are they learning our, tra- our traditional Mexican healing? And she, her thing was because medicine is for everybody, right? No one I love owns that. I'm going to make a meme. Medicine, la medicina es como para todos. Para todos. Yeah. Yes. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Because that's been my beef too. I see cult, I, I see people who are like cultural gatekeepers or like all oh mine. No, don't share. Don't appropriate. And I'm like, don't you get it? We need everybody to heal. I feel like, and white people even more so like they're susto cultural or soul loss. So when trauma happens, a part of our soul checks out. And shamans um, know ways to bring your pieces, soul pieces back home. Well, I think everybody needs, um, you know, their souls to be whole, including white people, especially white people. So if anybody's walking around disconnected to their spirit and their soul, like that's not good for any of us. So if there's a tradition that they're willing to do to reconnect to their spirit and soul, I'm like, I'm all for it. Yeah, that's not to me cultural appropriation, man. It's like everybody has a right to healing. I love that. La medicina es para todos. What was her name? Yes. I want to honor yeah, her. Yeah, Maestra Cici. So she's she's on she's on Instagram. Um, if you want to, you know, for those folks listening, she's 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 great. She's amazing. I learned a lot from my short um, time studying with her. So yeah, and 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 I I that resonates with me, you know, because I I do feel that there's a difference between those that want to take over and take ownership and claim it as you know their own like I came up with this and that's that's the, the appropriation right that yeah, we're talking about and that's Give different credit. I I, I yeah. see it yeah I see that if it, if you connect with it if you're respectful of, of, of where it comes from of the 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 elders that are still embodying and and the people that went through so much just to be able to carry on this legacy and they've endured you know our ancestors everything that they had to do to make sure that 500 years later we still know of these things right they had to keep it in their heart they had to keep it safe and then now it's it's being shared everywhere right but I feel like if we share it with respect if we help others with respect I believe that you can like you said we don't have enough people helping others heal right we need more people doing this work of, of helping folks, um, you know, integrate, you mentioned at the beginning, the integration of the mind, the body, the soul, the spirit, you know, we need more people making efforts to help others do that. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and integration of our soul, because I do believe that parts of our soul check out during traumatic events, you know, our ancestors called it susto, 
around the world, they call it soul lost. I mean, it's, so that's how I know it's like, oh, we're all, we're all tapping into very similar things when it comes to trauma. Um, and in the DSM, it's like dissociation. Dissociation, like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, out-of-body experiences. And so when I went to the shaman for the first time, um, I took the class and I was like, I asked the professor, you know, where can I meet a shaman? She didn't know. Um, and then one of my mentors I had lunch with and she's like, oh, I went to a shaman and I'm like, what? And so I, I went to the shaman and, and she, the shaman asks, you know, do you need um, mental, emotional, spiritual or physical healing? And I'm like, all of the above. I was like 43 and I was like, I need all of it. Um, and so it was amazing. Um, I, she's like, okay, give me a bullet point list of the traumatic events in your life. And, you know, my birth the, the, when I was nearly died was the first. And so she's like, okay, I'm going to journey and I'm going to find um, all the parts of your soul that checked out and I'm going to bring them home. And so it was a powerful, powerful experience. And so she had me lay down on her, uh, cause she did it in her living room. She had me lay down on her couch and, um, she kind of guided me through it and uh, like guided visualization. And then she started to, to um, play the drums and chant and play a rattle and sing. And there was a point and she didn't tell me what she was doing, but there was a point where she started to whistle. And I feel like every Mexican child knows. Yes. <laughs> when your parents whistle, that's bringing you home. It's time to come home wherever you are playing. So she started to whistle. And I was like, shoot, she's bringing my soul, my baby soul home. And I could just envision in my mind's eye, like this baby crawling back to center. And she was saying, you know, the parts of your soul that were checked out that I brought home, um, it's not like you have to take care of them now. It just, they're all with you now, like this power and um, like this light and uh and you're gonna feel stronger and it took about four months for me to really kind of um process and digest the changes but the best analogy i like to use analogies the best analogy that i could give is i still felt like um you know i still felt vulnerable but it was almost like um you know when you have a plate and there's like a hairline crack and you chip it and it like falls apart that's what i felt like before. Mm -hmm. and after seeing the shaman it felt like a bathroom mirror that used to have like shards and like maybe the biggest shard was in the corner. And that's where you used to kind of like lean over and brush your hair, like just to, you know, in that little corner where that piece was all, I felt like now I had a whole mirror and I could just see myself clearly and not only myself, but like the world. And that's what it felt like to have all my soul pieces home is I could see clearly. Integration. Yes. Yes. And so I felt like I still felt vulnerable and I still felt human, but I felt whole and it was the most amazing feeling. And when I read about shamanism, they talk about how it used to be, we'd have access to shamans in our culture that we'd be able to see a shaman within, you know, 72 hours of a traumatic event. And I was like, we are freaking walking around for 40 years with our main souls, like just trying to but, you know, yes. it's like at 40, I got to do the readings at 43, I got to see a shaman and like, I'll never look back. Like what I want to do, my, my life dream now for the next 50 years of my life is I want to travel the world and interview healers because I think healers have so much wisdom. And I feel like that's what we need now more than ever is wisdom about how to, how to be whole. And I feel like there's so many similarities around the world. And I just want to talk to them, live with them, sit with them, write it down and, and share it with everyone because la medicina yeah. es para todo. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. And, and that just resonates with me so much. I mean, that would be, you know, like I, you mentioned your, your that's your your plan after you you retire and that will be like my dream plan <laughs> travel the world interviewing healers that'll be amazing but yes i mean okay, i the other thing i wanted to say uh, i'm sorry no go ahead the other thing i wanted because you mentioned yoga yeah i'm so down for yoga i freaking love yoga a lot of research evidence supporting yoga uh trauma researcher bessel van der Kolk, he loves yoga um a TM transcendental meditation, tons of research evidence supporting it. I have practiced it. My daughter has learned it. Um, I don't know. I don't know if people know, but in Oaxaca, in the state of Oaxaca, 
the elders were approached to, to ask them, is it okay if we teach the school children in Oaxaca transcendental meditation? And they weren't like, oh no, that's appropriate. No, they were like, that's good medicine. Yes. So now there's like school-wide, there's wow. hundreds of thousands of school children learning TM in Oaxaca. Um, and, and, and I see articles all the time, like, you know, uh, mindfulness with in, in low-income communities or yoga. And I freaking love all those things. I love Reiki. Um, but what, what makes me sad as a researcher is that most people in low-income urban communities are black and brown youth. And I'm like, and who's doing the research to show mm-hmm. that the practices of our ancestors can also be evidence-based yeah. if we do rigorous and scholarly oh, research. Because yes. most of like, when we're talking Reiki, TM, yes. yoga, these are all Eastern practices, indigenous, mm-hmm. but Eastern practices. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, if God sent me to UCLA to get training as a researcher, then I'm going to freaking, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, passionate. please, no. I'm not, I'm not a <laughs> Don't apologize. You're okay. Then I feel yeah. like, okay, I'm going to put it to use because it was not easy. I mean, I went through my yeah. divorce when I was went to back to grad school. I had to walk away from my full-time job. I was raising my daughter. I had a mortgage. Like I, I had a lot, but I knew that this is what I was supposed to be doing. And whenever God sends me a message, like through this still small voice inside, I don't freaking, I obey. Cause it's just like, me va a ir mal si no. Like I don't even want to see que mal me va a ir. Like it's always been to my benefit. And so I listen to the small still voice inside. You know, some people call it God or spirit. Um, La Santera Sara tells me that our intuition is our ancestors guiding us. Oh, and so, so beautiful. So, so when the outside world says mm. you're crazy, that's ridiculous. You don't have to freaking explain yourself. If your ancestors and if that small still voice inside tells you, vente para acá, vente para acá por, por, la, por, um, por el lado, ¿cómo se dice? The shade, la, la sombra, por la sombrita. <laughs> la sombrita. Hazle caso a la abuelita que dice, pasa por la sombrita. Go walk through on the shady side. You, you do, even if everybody is on the sunny side and that's what's popular and that's what's hot and they're laughing at you because you're crossing the street, bump that bump that la abuelita dijo and so i'm gonna i'm gonna listen la abuelita knows yeah oh my goodness that is so beautiful and so inspiring and honestly you, you mentioned the kids in oaxaca and, and and how a lot of the the kids in, in low-income communities here in la or here in, you know in the states are and, and yeah i think it's wonderful right it's it's a way to provide healing because these these practices are very healing right but i i, I do also I, I'm also of the, of the of the idea that reconnecting with your lineage, your heritage, your ancestors, and part of that is reconnecting with some of the traditions that we that were lost in our previous generations, like with our mothers that you know came here in because they had to work and they had to do it, whatever. They really want their priority wasn't to let me keep let me let me teach you our our spiritual indigenous. They were just focus on survival right and so these spiritual practices were, were lost but I feel like there's uh, there's a, a quest now uh, to for remembrance and there's a, a hunger that I'm seeing in a lot of the younger generations and I'm talking about I, I'm, I'm you know I'm in my um, mid mid 30s and I, I see even younger folk, you know kids in their 20s I don't say kids but you know like in their 20s and even younger that want to explore their spiritual their spiritual heritage you know through their lineage and I think that's amazing and and if we can bring some of that into these communities how much more impact can it can that have right because there is that soul remembrance not and it's not just uh, you know this is a a good technique there's evidence for it there's research and kids practice it but then it, it can be taken in at their level of, of their you know their soul can remember this medicine like yes this is a, a return home I think you mentioned that returning home in, in a way right a, of where you come from and and I and and yet we don't see that here in LA it, well I, I mean I'm talking about LA we I, I don't see programs emphasizing or 
working on that. You know, so I, I know that you a lot of the the stuff that you've put out there in terms of presentations and professional, you know, presentations that you've done, you're you're really you're an advocate for that, right? To bring this into our traditional mental health or our tradition our systems here and that um we don't normally uh we don't normally talk about these things because it's just, yeah. there's no evidence for it, right? There's no research or- So, so far, <laughs> right? So, so because I've seen that other indigenous practices, when they get rigorously and scholarly examined or tested, scientifically tested, they they come up good. Like yoga has good outcomes, TM has good outcomes. So I'm not afraid it, that if our uh, ancestor practices get um, tested scientifically, I'm not afraid that they're not going to come up. Like they're like it, you test um, nopales for diabetes, you're going to see some results. Like you know, what I mean, that's no joke. If they haven't been tested, doesn't mean that they that they won't have results. It's just we 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 haven't prioritized the money, the funding, the researchers. You know, who who's going to do the research? So so that's one. And then the other piece. My brain is like, I feel like popcorn, you know, like it's like it's going in all directions. So I'm trying to keep it together. Well, it's because this is such a broad, I mean, there's so much to talk about just with this, right? I, so yeah, I know. I, I I feel like that too. I think we're, I'm telling you, I think we're on the same wavelength because I'm like, I want to ask a million questions. And I'm like, okay, I need to say fuck. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay focused too. No, so. I'm saying that for myself. <laughs> you can share whatever you want <laughs> thank, you, thank you okay what, what do you got though let's let's follow you no I no I think you're good no that what we're okay. talking about with this, the kids in school and you know here and especially in the yeah, income I, I communities them, yeah I want them to know because I, I know like in the walking to school they feel like nobody's got their back they have to join a gang for protection and I just feel like oh babies you have 50,000 years of ancestors who have got your back you are not mm. alone in this world yeah, imagine yeah. if this kid this 14 year old is walking to school like imagine the spring and the swagger in their step if they're like come on abuelita is abuelita you know abuelo you know what I mean like, <laughs> you know what no, I mean? like yeah. nothing could stop them you know what I mean like Absolutely. the side eye the, the microaggressions would be like Bonta, you don't know who I am this is who I am do you see, do you see who I am? 50,000 years of ancestors. That's who I am. And the practices that I'm learning at school or I'm learning at home or in the community, wherever, wherever it's possible. And, and the reason why I want to do the research is not that I have anything to prove anybody, but we know that for funding, we know that for policies, we know that even to get permission to do some of this stuff in the schools, we need to show evidence. And I'm good with science. Like I'm not anti-science. Like I, I know how to do research. Thank goodness. Thank goodness to UCLA. Um, and I'm not afraid of it. And, and I don't put it down. I think sometimes people put down science because they're afraid they don't know how to do it. Or they think like, um, I, I don't want to have to test what I believe. And it's like, well, I'm not afraid of testing what I believe. I feel like if you test it, I got nothing to hide. It's going to show up with good results. Let's do it. If that's what it takes in this society to get funding, to, to um, uh, pass policies, then let's, let's do it. Go Randomized control trial. It's on. Let's do it. Wow. I, you know, and, and I, I, I could totally see you doing this. I mean, I, I'm, and I'm excited, you know, to see how your journey continues to, to unfold in this way, because I think you have, because of your background, you know, with, in academia, I think you, I, I think it's, it'll just be the best thing that, that we can continue working, you know, in terms of from, especially from a research perspective, that is the next step, right? Because we are remembering, we, we are having a lot of people start practicing and incorporating, but we need, like you said, that scientific, almost um, like just like a backup in a way. So we can go into these systems like the school system, like the medical established medical system and start offering this medicine because it's just as powerful. So we live in this, in, you know, in this day and age where we need, we, this is where we're at, like you said, funding, we, we need this, this to be backed up by research so we can get into these, these, um, established school systems and reach more people eventually that's what the goal is right to to be able to to offer and can and, and have more people connect to this to this medicine more especially the young the kids the the, the little ones yeah 
Amen. Yeah. Hi, Alejandra. This was such a wonderful, wonderful interview. And I know we're coming on, on an hour and, you know, I want to be respectful of your time. And But this is something that we can definitely talk <laughs> for 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 a very long time. <laughs> and I look forward to more conversations with you on this. And, you know, for those folks that I, I know that you, you're 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 a professor and you do, you do consulting, but I mean, if, if there's anyone out there that has a, a question, perhaps, um, you know, I don't know, on academia, academia and, and indigenous studies or, any, or spiritual practices, I don't know, um, how can, I mean, I know that, I, I know how I can find you, but if, if anyone wants to connect with you in any way, are you open to that? Uh, um, just tell us a little bit more. Absolutely. So. My email is aacuna, A-A-C-U-N-A, at csun.edu. Um, I'm on Instagram, and I try to post, like, you know, research findings and things like that there, too. Um, so I'm at, on Instagram at, at Alejandra Acuna PhD. Um, so you can email me or you can DM me. Um, and I'm happy to chat because I do feel like, kind of like this conversation, like, when you when you have the same passion like it's just fun to talk about what you're passionate about so and it just it just feels like it's like we're vibing off each other and it just feels good so absolutely if you're if you're into um therapy or reclaiming your ancestor practices um for healing or traditions whether you're a therapist or not um because our abuelas, you know, did it. You didn't, you don't need to necessarily, a lot of this stuff, like the limpias were done by abuelas. They weren't necessarily done by, by shamans. In fact, yeah, shamans yeah, were like, exactly. like, no, I, I'll do the soul retrieval, but like the limpia, like, you know, you can yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, well, thank you so much for that. And I will, I look forward to our next conversation. Same here. Thank you, Rosa. Of course. Good luck on all your endeavors. I can, I'm, uh, look forward to all our continued conversations. Thank you. Yes, definitely. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope that you found it healing and nourishing to your mind and soul. If there's a friend that you think would benefit from listening to this information, please share it. Share about our podcast. If you feel called to, please leave us a review as this really, really helps boost our presence here in Apple Podcasts and it makes it easier for others to find us to stay up to date on new episode releases and special events and projects that I'm working on. You can follow us on Instagram at Inner Healing Paths Podcast, and you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to my website, which is rosachettilcsw.com. And I will include this information and links in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again next time.